But uh, anyways, tonight will be our first night of revival. So just a reminder, tonight, service is at 7 o'clock tonight. So if you show up at 6.30, that's fine. you just be early, all right? Just sit around and wait a little bit. But 7 o'clock each night. And uh, tonight we got Brother Daniel Custer. He's my good friend from Danville. And uh, thankful for him and his family. Get to eat lunch with him, hang out with him a little bit this afternoon. And uh, looking forward to what he's got for us tonight and what God's going to do through him. Uh, a couple other things. want to remind you as well, with Revival, there will be love offering nightly. Uh, that'll go for the speakers. And so we're thankful for each one of them to come this week. Some are coming near, some are coming far, all right? So we're far, I guess, hour and a half. Not too far, but uh, far enough. Uh, a couple other things to be reminded of. New church directory, all right? Uh, folks have been coming to me for a while. Uh, well, matter of fact, since July 4th, 2021, or 22, whenever I got here, whatever year it was, the whole time I've been here asking for a new directory. So with the new directory, even though you might be in the system, we do ask, all right? that you fill out a new form, and that will be what is going to go in the directory. So if you want to be a part of the, the directory, it's not, a, it's not a picture one, so you don't have to smile or nothing when you write it. Just put down whatever information you want shared on that. That will go in a, in a directory where you can be able to look up people's names, phone numbers and stuff in case you want to call them, wishing happy birthday or not gossip, you know, stuff like that, important things, all right? Y'all wouldn't think of nothing like that, would you? But please turn these in. April the 9th is the deadline, all right? Uh, we want those in as quickly as possible because it takes a little bit of time and work to get those taken care of. So if you want to be in the directory and you attend here, you're a member, that sort of thing, right? You've been coming, fill it out, all right? If we have issues or problems or questions, we'll come to you. But whatever's on that paper, it's, that's what's going in there, all right? Uh, then as well, this morning, following the morning service, we're going to have an interest meeting for VBS it will be a brief meeting. We're going to have the sign-up sheets and stuff move from the back to up here, pass them around while we talk for a few minutes so that way you can sign up. We also, anyone that's working VBS, got to have you sign uh, your name and your T-shirt size so we can get those ordered. Last year, we had to wait to the last minute, and we got some sort of ugly orange color, so we don't want to get that no more. We want to get something, something nice and pretty, I guess. That's what I was told, all right? <laughs> uh, and then Thursday, April the 6th through the 8th, that's... that's uh, that's right, that's what this is. I get, got confused here. Uh, Bethel Baptist Church, Brother John Tilly, pastor out there, he's having revival the 6th through the 8th, and he asked me to preach on April the 6th, that Thursday. Um, just want to let you guys know about it. We want to be able to support to them as well and other local churches that are preaching the Word and their revivals. And I know it would greatly support a young man who's been pastoring now all of eight months, and it would do nothing but just encourage him. So if you want to be an encouragement to somebody, if you, even if you don't want to encourage me, that's fine. Show up for Brother John, okay? Don't show up for me. He'll be here with us as well this Tuesday to preach, all right? Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, Sunday, April the 9th, uh, it's Easter Sunday. Did y'all know Easter's on a Sunday this year? Couldn't believe it. That time change or something. Uh, Easter Sunday service, all right? 645 sunrise outside, church breakfast following. The church is going to be providing biscuits and sausage gravy. So if all you want is biscuits and sausage gravy, just show up and eat that. If you want more than that, bring something to share, all right? And we'll have lots of good food. No Sunday school or evening service. We will have a 1030 worship service and just praise the Lord. As we do every Sunday, that we serve a risen Savior. I want to read this for you today, and we'll pray and uh, sing and, and praise the Lord today. Psalm 85, verse 6 tells us, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? If you want a good practice for revival, start rejoicing. 
If you want to know that revival takes place, it's going to be because come this week, come next week, and the week after, and the rest of this year, and throughout our life, we will rejoice. Revival is to not just beat us up or convict us of sin, it's to cause us to do something about it. And when we do something by faith about it, and we go to the Lord about it, it causes our hearts to rejoice in who God is and what He has done. And I believe that God has been showing us who He is, and I believe that He's been showing us what He has done, what He is doing, and what He is going to do, so we ought to just rejoice and praise Him through it all. So I encourage you, let the Lord revive your heart even this morning, and let's rejoice in Him. And as we stand here in just a moment to sing, may we sing with hearts that come needy and ready to be revived. May we sing with a heart that is ready to rejoice in who God is and what He has done. Now let us pray. Lord God, we come to You this day. We want to thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for this time that we can gather today. God, I want to thank You for each soul that's here in this place today. Lord, uh, Lord, there's no accident why we're here today. We're here to worship You, to glorify You, Lord. You, you've got Your Word prepared for each person that's in this place today. God, if there's someone today who's in here who does not know You as Lord and Savior, we pray today, God, that You would bring about great conviction that You would save them. And Lord, that they would put their trust in You alone. And Lord, that they would put their trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and be gloriously born again. God, what a way that, that we could rejoice you, uh, rejoice in You and, and that we could praise You. What a way to start revival. And God, we do ask for revival. Lord, it does not need to tarry to tonight or, or the rest of this week or to a fall meeting or to another spring meeting. God, we need revival today. Help us to see our great need. Uh, bring about conviction to our own hearts. And God, that by faith we might come to You and that You would clean us and purify us and enable us and empower us and strengthen us to do Your will and to do Your work in this world that You've called us to. Help us now, O oh God, to have our hearts uh, ready and, and lifted up to You to sing, to praise Your name, to glorify You. And Lord, may we do so in spirit and in truth. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house? If you are able, we will start our worship and song here this morning to the tune of hymn number 502. Colossians 3.16 tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. To who? To the Lord. Amen. In my heart there rings a melody, hymn number 502. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter melody. Tis a melody of love. In my heart there rings a melody. There rings a melody with heaven's harmony. In my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of love. I love the Christ who died on Calvary, for he washed my sins away. He put within my heart a melody, and I know it's Amen. 
heaven's harmony. In my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of love. Twill be my endless theme in glory, with the angels I will sing. Twill be a song with glorious harmony, when the courts of joy in your heart singing that song <coughs> our next song and please remain standing if you're able is hymn number 511 all that thrills my soul Colossians 311 says where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision barbarian or Scythian bond nor free but Christ is all and in all he is the great I am, and he is all and in all. All that thrills my soul. <sighs> Who can cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine? True and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed to call him. Continue to remain standing if you're able. 
Our next song is What a Day That Will Be. I love the words in this song because they are true and faithful and according to the Word of God. And there's a lot of comfort in this song to me. Amen. First John 3.12 tells us, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. What a day that will be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on the happy golden shore. What a our greeting time now so let's meander around <laughs> if you're able or if you desire to stay where you're at that's fine but let's let's speak to everybody especially visitors and make them feel welcome
If we would, make our way back to our seats. And it's good to see everybody shaking hands and smiling and chit-chatting. So we have a special song now by the pastor's wife, Miss Cammie Bryant. And so she's always a blessing. So uh, once everybody gets seated and quieted down a little bit, we'll let Miss Cammie start on her song. Um, before I sing, I think we're, I know Miss Brenda wanted to say something, so while she's coming up here, I'll just go ahead and share my experience. That way, if I cry, I can regain my composure before I sing. Um, I don't normally speak in public, so for me to do this is, all my energy will be drained. So if I look exhausted afterwards, that's why. Um, but it's not on the live stream, so if I cry, they can't see it. Um, uh, I just wanted to thank the Lord for all of his goodness, and um, if you have never been to a prayer advance, there's something about sitting on the same pew and looking over and seeing all of your sisters in Christ praying and knowing that they are intervening for you, and um, they are pleading on your behalf. You can share your burdens, and it's just so refreshing, and you just leave with your cup filled to the tippy top, as they were talking about, um, but you just sit there, and nothing can be happening. It can be quiet, and all of a sudden, just tears just start rolling, because you're just sitting there thanking God for everything that he's given you, and at one point, we had a sweet hour of prayer, and my booklet was a little different, because I'd been before, so at one point, you were given a blank piece of paper in your booklet, and it said, write down everything that you are thankful for. And the goal is to fill up the whole sheet. So I started writing, and then I got teary-eyed and couldn't see the paper anymore. <laughs> um, and before I knew it, my paper was covered with tears, and it was full. And I'm just very thankful for the experience. Miss um, Brenda, Miss Levita, if y'all want to share. All right. Oh, this thing is live, isn't it? <laughs> I just wanted to tell you, ladies, well, and they have one for the men, too, but I don't know what they do. But we do. <laughs> she said, do not go back and guilt the ladies into coming. Said, just tell them what you've enjoyed. But I want y'all to know y'all really missed it, okay? <laughs> no guilt, no shame. We had a wonderful time. Uh, it was just such... Uh, the spirit moves so greatly there, just like it does here. It's wonderful. There's no, you know, oh, look at this one, look at that one. There's nothing like that. It's just fun, and you're learning constantly, constantly while you're there. You feel like St. Cammie said, up to your tippy top. You are full because the Lord's there, and he fills you up. It's a wonderful time. It, it really revived me in knowing the Lord was going, you're not praying enough. You're not praying enough. So, you know, it really did wake me up to that. And anything that you're willing to give to the Lord, he's willing to make it over and hand it back to you. If you will just be with him. Thank you so much. And I have to say the same thing about the Holy Spirit moving. Just as soon as the singing started, you couldn't hold back the tears. 
you had to surrender it all to God. And in the whole Roanoke Valley, I felt the Holy Spirit. In my motel room, the ladies that were there for, from the prayer advance, I didn't want to get off of the elevator. I was enjoying going up and down with the ladies. It was awesome. The restaurants, people talking about God and the Holy Spirit. If you've never been, go. You'll experience God like you never have before. So many people seeking God and wanting to change and wanting help. God was awesome. And I'm changed. I'll never be the same. I got wrong things in me. I got sin in me. And I need to surrender them because I can't hold them in any longer. I want revival in my heart. And I want my church revived. I want every person to surrender the sins that they've got in them. I'm a financial mess. And I have to surrender to God. I can't pay my tithes sometimes because I get myself in such a financial mess. Surrender it. Surrender to God. Get this out. You've got sin in your life because we all do. I don't want it in my life anymore. I want to get rid of all this mess. Just give it all to God. Let him change you. I 
this right her cup runneth over to the past the tippy top did I say that right Brenda and I think I know some more cups that's running over too that's a blessing wasn't it that's a real blessing and we thank God for that blessing we thank Mr. Cammy for being used of God for singing that song and praise the Lord for his goodness amen let's go to the Lord in prayer and please pray with me our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so, so very much for the opportunity to be in your house today. What a blessing it's been so far. And we just thank you and praise you and recognize you, Lord, for giving these blessings. And Lord, thank you so very much. Thank you for each and every one that's come out today. Lord, thank you for all the singing and the songs and the blessing from that. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor. Ask, Lord, you just touch him and he'll... Uh, not heal him, but Lord, just uh, Lord, just bless him and uh, help him to preach your word, and uh, Lord, with power and from on high, Lord, and speak to that heart that that will be in our midst today, including mine, Lord. That if there's uh, conviction needed, I pray, Lord, that we would get that by the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's encouragement needed, Lord, the Holy Spirit would do that as well. And, Lord, if there's some precious soul in our midst here today that's lost and don't know you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for that individual. Lord, we just want to tell you we love you and thank you for loving us and helping us all you do every day, Lord. And thank you for your mercy and your grace. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us on the cross of Calvary. And we ask all these things in the wonderful, loving, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And if you're able, we're going to sing one of my favorite. I got a whole lot of favorite songs. I guess y'all know that by now. <laughs> if you're able, please stand. We're going to sing Behold Our God with the Lord's help. Revelations 5, 13, and 14 tells us 
and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Amen. Behold our God. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God seated on his throne. Come let us adore him. Behold our King. Nothing can compare. Come let us adore him. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who You will rain. 
give the Lord a great big hand. You may be seated. And now the most important part of the service is preaching God's word. And the man of God, Pastor Joe Bryant. Take your Bible, turn with me to Haggai chapter number 1. Haggai chapter number 1. The whole point of revival is to get our cups up to the tippy top. However, the issue is we often wait to revival to have such times in our life. We ought to have times of revival at a kitchen table with our wife and our kids with the Bible open. Revival can happen on a Sunday morning in Sunday school. I want you to know today you're just a step away from revival. The issue is not God the issue is not God trying to revive you, wanting to revive you, desiring to revive you. The issue is whether or not we are willing by faith to receive what God has for us. The, 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 the issue or not is whether or not we will be obedient to what God is leading us to or not. And the difference between those who get revived and those who stay as they are is obedience by faith. Today as we look at this, we've been seeing the past few weeks as we've been preaching through this idea of reviving reverence. We need a reverence of God. And this morning we've seen such a reverence. We've heard a reverence of God through the songs and testimonies. You could hear the stillness and the sniffles. And I don't think nothing's blooming outside quite yet. I'm not saying tears are a mark of revival, but I can tell you this, when God moves, you will be moved. And we need a mighty move of God once more. God can move mountains. Sadly, Many of us put up such a mountain in our heart that it takes so long. Not because God is unable, but you and I are unwilling to be moved. Our unwillingness keeps us from revival. Your unwillingness today will continue to keep you from revival. Today, as has been testified, as has been said, as has been sung, you must behold your God because you are a breath away from meeting Him. We are a breath away from eternity. And the past month, been a part of several funerals, heard of everyone from young and old in between passing. There is no one in here who will escape such. There is no one who will pass, go collect $200 and not have to look God eyeball to eyeball. You've got nothing that you are able to say to Him except to plead the blood of Christ. You will either see Him in His eyes that will not be blue nor green, but His eyes is a flame of fire. And in an instant, you will be judged. And if you do not know Christ, you might have religion, you might have prayed a prayer, you might have walked an aisle, you might have said some words, you might have had a testimony, you might have had some, some different things that you said might have been it, but if you had never been born again, He will look at you with those same eyes and say to you, depart from Me, I never knew you. But oh, for those who know Christ, we are in Him and there is no safer place. There is no more sacred of a place than to be in Christ Jesus. And oh, to hear those words one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Haggai chapter 1. We're going to look today at verses 7-11. through 11. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, 
go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. If you have any other goal today than the glory of God, you need a new goal. You looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? saith the Lord of hosts. Because of mine house that is waste. And you run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the, the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Let us pray. God, we come to You this day. Lord, we want to thank You. But God, we need You this morning. God, it must be You who preaches Your Word. It must be You who touches hearts today. It must be You that draws sinners to salvation. God, I pray today that no one would hear a word that I've got to say, but they would hear Your Word today. God, that Your Spirit would convict a sinner that does not know Christ, that they would come and be gloriously born again today. God, that they would simply ask of You to save them and that, Lord, we trust Your Word that You'll do just that. God, save a sinner today. God, give us the worst sinner. Grant us souls. God, fill the pews with the worst of sinners and the least of these and the brokenhearted. God, for those who are in these pews, who are brokenhearted, who are cast down, who are in their sin, oh God, that they would come to You today, that we would consider our ways. God, that You would cleanse us from the inside out. God, revive Your people again. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've talked about a real revival ignites a reverence for the Word, the worship and the work of God. Many of us think that revival will simply lead to activity. We don't need more activity and programs. We need an awe of God. We need a reverence of God. We need to see God for who He is. We need to revere God, not just at the church house, but in our house and in our homes and, and in our hearts. And I will tell you, you'll never revere God in the church house and be unashamed to shout, to shout hallelujah or amen or praise the Lord or to, to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ until you begin to revere the Word of God in your very heart. You don't revere the Word, you'll never worship God. It stems from a reverence of the Word of God. And you and I use the Word of God simply as a, a tool in the tool belt. I want you to know, the Word of God is the tool belt. The Word of God is everything to us. And without the Word of God, there is no revival. Without the Word of God, there is no hope. There is no ability to worship. There is no ability to work for God. And you and I, we want to be workers for God. We want to please God. We want to be busy for God. We will never be busy for God until we simply learn to believe God at His very Word. The Word enables us to worship God and to work, notice, both for God and with God. He has called us to much more. He's called us to participate with Him. He desires to use us as tools and vessels. And what we need today in revival is to be emptied of ourselves completely, utterly, and totally that we would be filled by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not just to fill up preachers when they get up to preach on a Sunday morning. It is to fill you, dear Christian, to, to get away from your sin, to mortify your flesh, to reconcile with your neighbor or your loved one or your spouse. It is to get you to be a husband, a father, a wife, a mother that God has called you to be. It is to call you to obedience, absolute surrender. He fills us to enable us and empower us to glorify God. For in our flesh, we will never bring glory to God, only glory to ourselves. 
when the Word is not our priority, then we will never be able to truly participate in the worship or work of God. This is why when we sing, it must be by the Word of God. This is why when we gather, it must be under the Word of God. This is why when we work, we must not work without hands that do not have the Word of God saturated and dipped in. We need the Word everywhere. Deuteronomy talked about it. Moses says, well, God says through Moses to the people, write the Word everywhere. The Word of God is not an addition. It is the whole issue. Revival will move our hearts to God. However, it will move our hands for God. But we must not get the cart before the horse. If your hands are much more quick to get busy and work for God than they are to be lifted up in worship and surrender, you've got a problem. You want to be noticed. You want to work. You want activity because you want to justify yourself and feel spiritual. I want you to know the most spiritual thing that there is is to surrender your heart to the Word of God in absolute worship. That is the greater work. But until you learn the Word and until you learn to worship, you'll never learn to work. And here's what had happened. As we see this, that revival is not just an action of inward, but it is an outward action. It will lead us to move outward, but it begins on the inside. You can fake a lot outside. You can fake a lot out here. There's many sitting today that we come in and we've got a mask on. I'm good. Good to see you. How you doing? Been doing well. Good. You look good. We've got our mask on. It's time that we get real with God. We'll never get real with one another until we get real with God. Some of us who've been saved so long, we've gotten, we've, gotten, we've gotten cold and indifferent to getting real with God. And here, two times in the matter of a couple of verses, God tells the people, consider your ways. Revival, reverence, repentance, None of those things are stationary. They are action words. We are to be revived. We need to revere the Lord our God who has saved us by His precious blood. We need repentance. And it's not a one-time deal. Repentance is a not, I wake up in the morning, Lord, you know, I'm sorry if I mess up today. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. I'm sorry if I mess up. You're going to mess up if... Take the word if out and go ahead and throughout your day, when you sin, go to God instantly. Go to Him. And then we don't need a, now I lay me a down to sleep for all my sins. I, I repent, whatever they were. What kind of reverence is that? When we revere the Word, when we revere God in worship, He's going to show us our sin because He can't help but do that for us. It's for our good that He chastens us. It's for our good and for His glory that we would consider our ways today before God. I want you to know, your heart depends upon it. Your spiritual condition depends upon it. Your household depends upon it. You've got kids and grandkids that depend upon it. We've got a community that depend upon it. A church of brothers and sisters that depend upon us considering our ways. Revival will move us. A reverence of God will move us. Repentance will move us. And some of us need a good moving. For if we sit any longer, we may grow some moss on our backs. We've sat long enough to let our hearts grow cold and indifferent. We've let ourselves sit long enough to where we believe that our preferences matter more than the Word of God. We've sat long enough to where we think that we're right and no one else is as spiritual as we are. 
we need to consider our ways. When we look at the context of this passage we've been dealing with the first six verses already over the past couple of weeks, we find that the remnant has returned back. They started to rebuild. They laid the foundation of the temple and they quit. Things got hard. Opposition came. I want you to know, if you think your spiritual life is going to be easy, it's not. If somebody led, you got led to the Lord and they led you thinking that life was going to be peaches and cream and a bed of roses because now you got saved. I want you to know, that's baloney. At best. It ain't even fried. It's dry. It ain't got no mustard on it neither. Foolish to think that, that your life now because you got a, a, a taste of Jesus is going to be easy. I want you to know, that's what heaven's for. That's where eternity's to come. It'll get easy then. It ain't going to be easy now. It's a fight. Matter of fact, when you got saved, you got called to warfare. And many of us have forgotten to do war with sin itself. War with the flesh. War with the devil. He's called war upon you. The world is at war. The war hates your kids. They do nothing for your kids. The war hates you and does nothing for you. Your flesh hates you and wants to destroy you. And if we're not careful, we'll let it. The remnant has grown cold and indifferent to the things of God. Billy Sunday once said, and I don't agree with all of Billy Sunday's antics, but he said this and he's exactly right. When is revival needed? When carelessness and unconcern keep the people asleep. There's no time that we're more comfortable than when we're asleep. Sadly, many of us, we've been knocked out cold to the things of God for far too long. We've heard it all before, preacher. I, I, I've, well, you know, I know that I'll read. Well, you know, I read my Bible. That's good that you read your Bible. Do you read it in the Spirit or in the flesh? Are you reading it like a phone book? Or are you reading it like the Word of God? You say, well, I go to church. I worship the Lord. Do you? Do you look around? Do you sing? Is your heart prepared before you come on the parking lot? Let alone before you stand in the pew? You say, well, I, I do work for God. You know, I... I, well, I used to work for God, or I used to serve in this way and that way. Well, that's wonderful. How are you serving the Lord now? How you serve the Lord now tells me all that you need to know about what you think of God. As we look at this, Haggai's preaching, and I want you to know, Haggai's ministry was short. He wanted no church for 40 years, and they put a plaque up in his name and a picture on the wall. He didn't have no nice suit picture or none of that. He wasn't getting a new car. Every, none of that. I got to preach for a few months. That's it. It wasn't because of burnout. It's because that was the season God had. He rose up Haggai to preach. Not what Haggai thought, not what Haggai wanted. In fact, his message was hard. His preaching was to God's people to revere the Lord once again. The reason why the temple had not been rebuilt is because the people had hearts that did not revere the things of God. They said, well, you know, our homes are built up and they were even decorated as we see in the first few verses of this chapter. We'll get into that in just a moment. And here's what had happened. They go, well, we're comfortable. My home's taken care of. My home looks good. You know, I can worship God in my home. You can, but you better get to the church house. You better get to the temple. Why? Because the temple represented the physical presence of Almighty God to them. It was the place where they knew that I go there to meet with God and He's going to be there already to meet with me. That's where I'm going to bring sacrifice. That's where I'm going to see blood spilt that I'm reminded of my sin. Can't get that at home. We need one another. We need 
the presence of Almighty God and to revere it in such a way that we would do anything and sacrifice anything to be with Him and to be with God's people. God did not save them from their captivity to remain captive to their sin, nor has He done that for you and I. God did not save you to allow you to sneak, to slink back into their old way of life, into the world. He saved you not so you'd be captive, but rather that you may now freely serve Him and know Him. As we look today, we need to see our condition. We need to consider our ways. And we need to obey the commands of God. Outside of that, there is no revival. Verse number 9-11, through 11, we're going to see a little backwards here, the condition. Look at the condition of the remnant. God speaking. How do we know? Because verse 7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Nothing more authoritative, nothing more applicable to our life in the Word of God. He says, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. You looked for a lot, Want nothing there. You thought you had something? You ain't got nothing. You thought you were spiritual? You ain't got a drop in the bucket of spirituality in you. If you did, the temple wouldn't be laying in ruins. Hearts wouldn't be in ruin. He says, when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. You know what that means? God went, here. There you go. That's better. He blew upon it. God judges and chastens and purifies His people. We think that God has saved us just to be, you know, genie in a bottle up there. We get in a bad spot. Lord, I need you here. Lord, it's getting bad down here. Lord, you know, I sure could use a... We wonder why we're in trouble. We use God as a get-out-of-jail-free card instead of ought to be going around the whole board with Him in the first place. He says, I did blow upon it. Here they thought they were just going through a drought and a famine. Here they thought they were just hard-pressed and you know these are just tough days. You know, the, Them old Babylonians and Persians and Assyrians, and they've all just made a mess of our land. We're just never going to return back to what it used to be. Blamed everybody and everything. But they had sinned against God. How could we sin against God and not expect to be chastened? How could we sin against God and, and, and not revere Him as we ought to and expect Him to pour out showers of blessings? One of the greatest blessings that God pours out upon us is that He will chasten His people. He says, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little. You see, our spiritual condition depends upon revering by faith or neglecting through unbelief in God. When God is not the priority, something else will be. He says, why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. He says, you built your home, you made it sturdy, you made it fashionable, you look good, and you're just going around for 14 plus years living as if the temple doesn't matter. Living as if coming to the Lord daily doesn't matter. 
It don't matter what your home is like. If your heart's not right, it don't matter. And their hearts were far from God. With their lips they did profess the Lord, yet their hearts were far. How do you know their hearts are far? Because the temple laid in waste. We're not just talking about a building either, by the way. We're not just talking about some, some high grass and some weeds and some walls that need painting. We're talking about it's in rumbles and, and, and shambles. We're talking about the place that God had set apart for His people to meet with Him, to know His presence, to know His blessings. When our belief goes away, you can rest assured that there won't be blessings. God had turned the tap off. That's a scary place. But you don't have to stay there. That's the thing. There's many today who think you have to stay in that place. Well, woe is me. Let me put on sackcloth and ashes. I want you to know, sackcloth and ashes are for lamenting, but lamenting never just leaves you in the dust. It gets you up and it gets you back to the temple of God. It gets you back to where God is. Repentance is not merely to throw some ashes on yourself and go, well, I just sure am so bad. I'm so sorry. You are sorry. We are sorry. But be sorry and to do something about it. And the only thing you can do about it is to get back to the cross. To get back to the Lord who saved you. To look back at the grace of God that has been poured out by His precious blood for you. To look at His mercy that is ever extended to all who will call upon Him. We need to see our condition today. He shows them, my house lies waste. He says, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew. The earth has stayed from her fruit. He, you ever thought about this? When you're not spiritually right, you're fruitless. You want to know why we're fruitless? It's because we're not faithful. Here's what we do. We try so hard to please God in our flesh and it will never please God. How do we please God? The Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible. Faith not in yourself. Faith not in the works of your hands. As the song says, nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Jesus and only Jesus. He is our only hope. And when our condition is wayward and woeful, we must get back to the Word of God that will change us from the inside out. It will cause us once more to know God and to know His blessing. They had got their priorities all mixed up. I'm all about taking care of your home. I'm all about taking care of your family. As a matter of fact, we have failed our families for far too long. We need to get back to taking care of them. However, however, they had taken care of their house. They had made it look pretty. They had had comfort to a degree, and let the Lord's stuff just lie in waste. Our priorities matter. This didn't happen overnight. Verse 2 says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people, the time that, that the people said, The time's not come that the Lord's house should be built. Well, when is the time? It's been 14 years. This. Then the word. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your, house, in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much. You're bringing little. You've been active. We've got nothing to show for it. My heart breaks 
Every time I see the same old story and the same old routine go on. Time and time again, a home not built and founded and stayed upon the Word of God and the glory of God, pursuing Christ from the husband first downward and the home built upon the marriage first. Pursuing Christ, what happens is slowly comfort, contentment leads to catastrophe. We're living in a world today that when our priority is not Christ, we're reaping the fruit of it now, folks. Priority. It matters what matters to you. It matters to God. In all things that He might have the preeminence. And for so long we've given everything and everyone else the preeminence except the only one that's due preeminence. That's Christ. An uncaring heart for God is not just cold and indifferent, but it's unbelieving. There's no in-between. We like the gray area because it's comfortable. It's not so prickly. It's not so hard. Horatius Bonner said, In all unbelief there are two things. A good opinion of oneself and a bad opinion of God. You cannot have too high opinion of God. It ain't going to happen. There's many days we have too high opinion of ourselves. Here we've got to see that we need less of us and more of Him. Tell me how much Bible is too much Bible? How much praying is too much praying? How much, how much Scripture reading in a church service is too much Scripture reading? How much worship is too much worship? How much work for God is too much work for God? How much giving to God is too much giving? We won't reach it. What you find is that there are plenty who profess Christ. Their life shows a poor opinion of the God that they claim to know. How do you know? Look at your relationship and the condition that you're in with the Word of God, the worship of God, and the work of God. Look at the condition that your home may be in. The condition that you are with the church and you. Is there a distance? Is there a divide? Don't be so quick to blame the church. Don't be so quick to blame the Lord. Here's what had happened. God says, because of your sin, I called a drought. Why would God do such? God always, always chastens us to draw us back to Him. You and I must see our brokenness before we'll ever be built back up. And here's what we need. Some of us need some tearing down of our walls. Some of us need some tearing down of our pride and our sinfulness. Some of us need some breaking so that God can rebuild us. And anything that God beats down and breaks down as the potter and we're the clay, He does so to form us back up and to make something greater. To make a vessel that's fit for use. God deserves it and God desires it. The issue is that we don't think so much about it. God asks why. Sin leads to spiritual poverty, fruitless and an unsatisfied life. If we're not satisfied with Jesus, we won't be satisfied with anything else. 
Nothing and no one satisfies like Jesus. And the reason why we chase the things in the world and the reason why we chase and do our own thing and the reason why we think us and God can have our own thing going on outside of the local church and the Word of God, it's because it doesn't satisfy us as it ought to. We need Christ and Christ alone. God chastens us in His love. Not just anger or wrath, but in His love He chastens you. In His love, He chastened Judah. In His love, He chastened the remnant. In His love, He'll chasten victory way. In His love, He'll chasten you and me. Why? Because those He loves, He chastens. I thank God that He does. Not because I like the chastening, but I love the change that comes about with it. It draws me back to Christ. And there's nothing sweeter than being reunited with our Savior. Because His arms... Nail-pierced hands always outstretched and awaiting our return. Always awaiting the prodigal that always wanders off. Always awaiting to bring in the sheep that has gone astray lovingly and caringly. Verse number 7, we need to see the second thing today. Not only do we need to see our condition, but we need to move past that. Here's the issue and here's why many of us remain unrevived. I can tell you why. We get our condition go, man, I'm sinful. You know, I'm just not as spiritual as I used to be. I don't love the church like I used to be. I'm not here like I once was. I'm not in the Word like I once was. You know, I I read it, but it just, it doesn't have the same spark. You know, I I love my wife, but maybe not like I used to. Or I have prayer, but it's just not, it's just not really there. I feel like it's just hitting the ceiling and all of these things. And We can stay in that spot and we can see our condition as woeful as it is, but if you stay there, I want you to know it's your choice. It's your choice. Revival does not merely show us our condition and go, look at how bad and awful you are. No, it says, look at how bad and awful you are and look at how good and wonderful He is. If that doesn't happen, then there will be no revival. That is the good news. The bad news is my condition is woeful and sinful and far from God most days. Weak and frail and fragile at best. He's got everything I need. He didn't just got everything I need. He is everything I need. And I just don't need the stuff that He gives. I need Him. Step number two though. You've seen your condition, and right now you probably have already, and I hope so. The Lord's had to show me mine. The next thing that we see is the considering, though. Last week we saw in verse 5 and 6, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Here again in verse 7, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What do you think God is trying to tell us here? Do you think He wants us to consider our ways? You think he wants us to maybe think a little bit about No, he says the whole idea of considering your ways, it is to set your heart, to find out where your heart is going, find out where your heart is headed. Where is your heart right now and where is it headed? Let me ask you today, where is your heart? Have you been born again? Do you know Christ? Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Have you ever repented your sins and put in your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? His death, his burial, his resurrection for you, for your sins, that He paid the price at which we could not pay, that He did all this so that we might freely come to Him by faith and be saved by His grace. Have you done that yet? 
Do you know Christ? Are you in Him? If you are, praise the Lord, but there's much more to go. They're still considering that you must do. What is your relationship like? You've seen your condition, but now what is your ways? How is your life? Right now, you might just be going, I'm a flat mess. That's fine. God can do a lot with that. God can fix any mess we, we got. He can fix any mess we make. As a matter of fact, that's what the cross does. The cross is there to fix much more than a mess. We are the mess. Look at this. Ponder right now. Do you really revere the Word of God? If you had to search for your Bible this morning before you came to church, you don't. If you had to ask your spouse, where where did I put my Bible? That will tell you your reverence. How about this? Are you rejoicing in worship? Is singing songs just bleh for you? Is hearing testimonies going, oh, come on, all right, wrap it up. Is hearing others being moved by God sniffling going, what's their problem? If that's you, it's not them. It's you. You've got something wrong. But you don't have to stay there. The whole point of revival is to get us from where we are and get us to where we ought to be. And it's not by the work of our hands. It's simply by Christ and that He draws us now to Himself. And here's what happens. You will either remain in the condition of which you're in right now, unrevived, or you will begin to consider your ways. And in so doing, what you find is that you are hopeless and helpless and that you desperately need the Lord. The issue of our day is that we have lost a desperation and a dependence upon God, and that's why we don't see revival today. That's why we don't pray. That's why we don't read, because why do we need the Lord for this Christian thing that we figured out long ago? I've been in church long enough. I know what to do. We need the Lord. And if we're not careful, I'm no date setter. I would say I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but not quite true. You look around at the condition of our world. You look at the condition. You look at our nation. Look at our communities. It's everywhere. But look a little further. Water got in the boat of the church. It's not good. It's gotten into our homes. We're being devoured. We're being sunk. We're drowning in our sin. We're drowning in the sinful condition that we're in. All the while we say everyone around us needs to be revived, we're the ones that need to be revived. If it don't happen for you, why would you expect it or want it for somebody else in the first place? Lamentations tells us this, written by Jeremiah in a time of actual lamentating. If anybody knew how to weep and to cry over the condition of his people, it was Jeremiah. And here's what he says in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 40. Let us search and try our ways. Consider your ways. But does the verse end there? No. He says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. That's the key. You will remain in your condition even if you just consider your ways 
and not turn to the Lord. But if you look at your condition, you consider your ways, and then you turn to the Lord, that's when revival comes. He says in the very next verse, let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Surrender your heart to Him. Give Him your sin. He can handle it. Give Him your brokenness. He can mend it. Give Him yourself. And He can do much more with it than you ever think you could. We need to give ourselves wholly to the Lord. All of life hinges upon a right relationship with God and there is no benefit in the neglect of the things of God. When there is a barrier in the way between you and God, God did not put it there. It is one thing. It is your pride. And you will stay on that side of it, unrevived, until that gets broken down. It was old Harry Ironside who said, pride is the barrier to all spiritual progress. The reason why we don't progress spiritually is because we are far too more full of ourselves. You can smell fake humility from a mile away. And God could vomit at it. We ought to as well. Look at your condition. Consider your ways. But now here's the message of revival today. This is it. That was, this is it. Verse 8. God does not say to them, consider your ways, beat yourself, wallow in your sin, wallow in the judgment of which I've brought, die in this drought. He says, get to climbing. We've got to be brought down low before we can be brought up. Look at what happens. God does not say stay in your low estate. Today, if you are in a spiritual low estate, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay separated from your Lord, separated from the fellowship of the saints and the church, separated from your family. Get to the Lord. He says, go up to the mountain. There where the temple is in Jerusalem, they're surrounded by the hills. He says, get to the hills. Bring wood. Grab it. Pull it back down. And what? Build the house. He says, get to work. You've wallowed in your sin enough. You've let the temple lay waste for 14 years. He says, get up the mountain. I'll tell you what you and I need to do today. If you're in a spiritual low estate, there's a mountain that you need to climb. You say, I know, it's big. I can't seem to get up and over it. That's alright. There's, there's a mountain that's greater than that mountain you think you're climbing. There's a mountain called Calvary. And you can start low at its base. You can feel as if you're in the judgment hall yourself. You can feel as if spiritually you've been beaten with a cat of nine tails and you're in a drought and you're thirsty and weary. I want you to know, start that climb. Step by step, you find yourself going up to Calvary and what you will find is you will find a blood-stained cross where the Lord Jesus Christ bled and died for you. He paid the price for your sins. Your sin, everything, wicked and evil, the very curse of sin itself, <coughs> excuse me, laid upon Him. Laid upon Him. 
He paid that price, willingly laid down His life. Look at that cross, and I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that blood that is stained there upon it. See the price that has been paid? See the life that was given in your stead? But I want you to see as well that it's empty. I want you to see then, look just beyond it, and not too far from there at Calvary, it's a place called Gethsemane. And in that area was a place where the Lord not only prayed the night before, but was buried the day of His death. I want you to peer, and I want you to look real hard, and I want you to find that tomb of His. I want you to see that that stone is rolled away. And I want you to see that He's not in there. And it does not stench of death, but it smells of a sweet-smelling sacrifice of the grace and mercy of God. I want you to see who God is and I want you to see what He's done for you and I want you to climb up that mountain and I want you to get to building. God allows us to be broken to then build us back up. That's revival. Revival is not merely the tearing down, but it is the building up. And We need the building up, dear child of God. How can we tell if revival comes? Because of verse 8. Because we'd obey. And later on, you know what we find? Verse 12, the remnant of the Lord, they obeyed the voice of the Lord. There's revival. That's how you know it got there. Obedience. Faith. To trust and obey, for there's no other way. Obedience is the answer. Where there is no obedience, there is no revival. All the tears in the world will not make up for disobeying the commands of God. You can sniffle and you can wallow in your condition all day long and still be unrevived. You can be convicted about your sin eight ways to Sunday and feel just the mess that you are, broken and in shambles. And if you stay that way without obeying the Lord to come unto Him and to build the house, to come up and gather, then guess what? You will stay in that unrevived state. But the command must be heeded. Tozer put it this way, the Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The temple being the physical reminder of the presence and power, the promise-keeping God, he says, build it up. And here's what he says, I will take pleasure in it. I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. That temple that would be built later on would one day be completed. And it didn't look as pretty as Solomon's. It didn't have quite the same beauty to behold. But God said it don't quite matter that it looks as pretty as it did before. God don't care so much about what you look like, act like on the outside. He cares about that heart of yours. Is your heart a temple fit for God to dwell? Is your heart a temple that is dedicated, consecrated to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your life a time of walking and living and abiding in the presence and power of Almighty God? That's what the temple was for. He says, I will be glorified. You know why? When we obey the Lord, He's glorified. You want to please the Lord? Obey Him. We're not talking about the law, but we're talking about grace. Grace now freely and lovingly obeys God, not out of obligation of the law. 
But because I am cleansed by the blood and clothed in the righteousness of Christ, I may freely serve my God. Come what may, that's what I'm going to do. Come what may. Let the devil do his work. Let the world come crashing in. Let my flesh get to battling me. I will make Christ preeminent in all things. I will see the house built. I will see the name of the Lord our God proclaimed to the nations. Come what may, whether it be by my life or by my death, that He may be magnified and glorified. I want you to know the goal of revival is not your happiness, it is your holiness, but beyond that, and this is what you and I have got to see, and it's going to cause us to humble ourselves a little bit, Revival may be for our good, but it is for His glory. Every spiritual thing you've ever learned is not just for your good, but it's for His glory because He's glorified in it. All the world and all of creation, all the universe for all time and eternity is for the glory of God. And if it's not, then we're in trouble. And until you and I begin to see that, we're going to remain in that unrevived state. He says, I will be pleased and I will be glorified. Revival is not so much about our pleasure and glory, but about His. And when the glory of God becomes our priority, then we will see the fruit and blessing of God. You want to be blessed by God? Who doesn't, right? We all want that. Start by blessing Him first. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Now, I'm not talking about praising Him just so that He would bless you. No, He does that because He loves you. Not because you deserve it. You could do an awful lot of things for God and He's not going to love you one ounce more than He did before. But if you want to know the love of God, if you want to know the power of God, if you want to know what revival looks like, look to Christ today. Today, if you've looked and you've seen your condition and it's woeful, if you've seen that you're just in a spiritual drought or a spiritual slump, Consider your ways. Ask a simple question. Is this the direction I want to keep going? Ask a simple question. Is this the direction that's going to glorify God the most? Is this way leading to life everlasting and to eternal destruction? Am I destroying all that God has given to me? Am I wasting it away? Is the temple lying in waste? In the New Testament, the Lord calls the Christian the temple where the Spirit of God Himself, the presence and power of God, now indwells us. Let me ask you today, what's your temple look like? Is your temple saturated by the Word of God? Is it filled up by it and changed by it? And your temple, from head to toe, are you able to rejoice in the worship of Almighty God, revering Him in all things? Let me ask you, is your temple being used for the work of the devil or the flesh or for the work of God? David Livingston, who was a missionary to Africa, literally left his heart there when he died. He said, fear God, work hard. You and I do an awful lot of work with hardly an ounce of reverence in us. When you and I learn to revere God, 
God will give us a greater work to do. But until we learn to revere God, the greater work will never accomplish a thing for Him. Have you considered your ways today? Does Jesus have the priority, the preeminence? Today we need a revival. Revival of the reverence of God. Today, I don't know what your condition is, but I will tell you this, you don't have to stay there. Would you climb the mountain, look to the cross, see the empty tomb, see our Lord who loves us so, and receive the help that you need. Let's all stay in this morning. We're going to have time of invitation. If you need to come, if you need Christ, if you don't know Him, come, let me take the Bible and show you Jesus. You can leave here today assured of your salvation. Today, if you are certain of your salvation, but you're struggling, you're spiritually just a mess right now, I want you to know, don't stay in that condition. Do not leave this place in that same condition. Don't wait for tonight or